Welcome to the best podcast available, Training Camp Edition. Here are your hosts, Jason Gibbs, Andrew Gribble, and Nick Shook. Welcome to day number four of Training Camp. Here in Berea, we are in the Dog Bowl. Jason Gibbs, he's Andrew Gribble with a hat. He's Nick Shook with the sunblock. And four days down, one day to go, and a day off is on the horizon. Not a day off for us, a day off for the players, but we have four days down, two of them in pads, no sign of uh, going back to shorts anytime soon per Freddie Kitchens, but uh, another day of work here in Berea and a pretty solid day of work, uh, Andrew Gribble. Yeah, I thought today's practice was more physical. Maybe just from the the looks of it, maybe they were warming up to the to the physicality of day one. But I, up until the end, where things got kind of got a little wonky with the the running the gassers and and kind of the the skirmish there between Chad Thomas and Farrell Brown, I thought it was looking good. And I think, but we we come away from this saying, oh yeah, it looked good. And I think we say that because the offense looked better. I mean, that just makes you feel better about a practice. I mean, it, it, as much as we like to say we like the back and forth, things just look better on the practice field when the offense is playing better. They ran the ball better. They were completing passes. I thought Jarvis Landry, every time I looked up, was catching passes today. So the offense looked better. Uh, and then the end, it just didn't go as you'd like a practice to end, uh, especially in the, in the two-minute drill there at the end where you have a turnover and two missed field goals. It's funny how you mentioned uh, Jarvis Landry catching a lot of passes. He seemed to be the go-to receiver for Baker Mayfield today, which was encouraging because through the first few practices of camp, it seemed almost as if Baker was forcing the ball to Odell Beckham to, uh, you know, it, I don't think he necessarily was, but he was definitely, that was his first uh, read in his progression a lot of the time. And so to see him instead go to some other guys today was uh, was was comforting, I think, and also very encouraging and exciting because there are a ton of weapons on this team, but it's funny too because in my notes early in, in the practice, I said, "Well, not not much physicality today, not quite as much hitting." And then they really turned it up, especially in the second team period uh, for the second straight day. Uh, Mo Bamba kind of welcomes everyone to the full contact session, and then Dontrell Hilliard, Hilliard rips off a touchdown run on the first play of full contact. So I think that's when things turned up, and they never really slowed down uh, until guys were running fifty-three and a half or fifty-three and a third yards down the field and back. Jannard Avery did not practice today. Uh, Kareem Hunt and Duke Johnson still out. Donnie Lewis joined the injured ranks, and Damian Ratley continues to rehab that hamstring. Should we be concerned at all about Jannard Avery? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Do we know much we else don't really, about it? I don't. I don't think we know a whole lot about it, other than I think we were all a little surprised yep. when he was not out on the field here with the regulars this morning. It's kind of like a surprise scratch or a surprise inactive on a game day. That's kind of what it was for Gennard today. He was even scheduled to do media and then didn't do it because, because of course, he didn't practice. So. Uh, an interesting situation that we'll probably want to keep an eye on, but hopefully it's nothing too concerning. Yeah, listed as an ankle injury. So we'll see. He looked yeah. fine walking out there. He looked fine walking out. He looked fine walking back in. Yeah. So, so we'll kind of see how that plays precaution out. Precaution is the flavor of the season right now. Biggest uh, takeaway from the day for you, Mr. Gribble? I mean, I'll, I'll we've been really positive. I'll go uh, a, a little negative on this one. I think it's just it's it's tough to see a day like the one we saw for the kickers. And I think that's just we haven't talked about the kicking much on the podcast so far, but day two, Greg Joseph had a good practice. Uh, Austin Seibert was good except for one miss. Uh, today, in a situation, in, in the situation, they had, they ran some kicks before uh, the end of the practice. Uh, Greg Joseph continued to look really good. 
I think the ball comes off his foot really well. That's my amateur kicking opinion as far as it goes, but it just <laughs> it, it just looks better. It just it's it's sounding good right now. He has a big leg and he's shown it. Uh, and then Cyber struggled. Uh, I think the unofficial tally at that part was was one of four. And then both of them are brought into the field for late game, quick situations where they have to get lined up, kick their field goals. Joseph misses his from about 45. Cyber misses his from, from a longer, longer distance. So Cyber that, misses that's, was, was pretty rough. Yeah, I mean, the, all misses are the same. It just, yeah. Yeah, but it didn't – clearly you knew it came off the foot wrong right away. So it's just – it's one of those things where you obviously want to see these guys make kicks every practice – I think what they do today has no effect on who the ultimate winner is in terms of are you confident in them in September, but you just want to see a competition where you're having a tough time to decide between the two because they're all making their kicks, and uh, a day like today, it wasn't the case. I think it's kind of uh, interesting about this kicking situation because Greg Joseph, it seems, has benefited from working with Mike Pree from the offseason and working on his approach, which is something they've talked about many times, and he's gotten more consistent today notwithstanding whereas I think Austin Seibert is dealing with a little bit of the pressure of being a drafted kicker and somebody that a lot of fans probably expect to come in and win the kicking job and and solidify a position that has been anything but for the last three or four years and and seeing them go on the field kind of pitted against each other uh, in those scenarios um, you know with a a breeze today there was a breeze Uh, the breeze was not why Austin missed his kick no it could have influenced Greg's kick a little bit um, but, you know, the conditions weren't perfect. They were ideal, but they weren't perfect. I will give them credit. Uh, each of them hit at least one kick through the really narrow goalpost at the end of the field, the opposite end of the field, uh, at the start of practice today, which is tough to do. But they did have a lot of tries. So definitely a work in progress, and today not the best day for them. Uh, my, my takeaway from today is, man, does uh, a fracas or a scuffle or a full-blown fight, uh, is it, isn't that able to kind of knock a practice off the rails? Uh, today, Literally. yeah, today we had, uh, you know, that scuffle between Farrell Brown and, uh, and Chad Thomas and, and it looked like, you know, the, the pacing of everything was going well. The offense was finding, you know, ways to make plays. The defense was not causing as many issues, although they were making their plays as well. Um, and the, and the competition had been turned up, you know, it was just two good units going head to head for a lot of the practice. And we saw some highlights, we saw some good defensive plays. And then the fight breaks out. They have to run. They spend 10 minutes, you know, running and, and in a huddle, you know, I'm sure being admonished by their coach. And then they come back on the field to finish whatever was left of that period. And it didn't seem like much before it was all over again. It just was a kind of a buzzkill to what was a pretty solid day leading up to that point. I could not agree more. It was a, it was rough after they got done running. And obviously, you've got guys toward the end of practice anyways, running wind sprints with all the gear on. Uh it just it, it did not look good in any way, shape, or form after they got done with I, it. I did think up until the Jarvis Landry fumble, though, on the on the two minute drill, the first team offense looked like it was cooking. Again. Yeah, like they and he was extending a play, making a play. He had he had a juke on that play that made the fans like make an audible ooh, like he. But Joe Schobert kept with the play and poked it out from behind. I mean, it's just one of those things where uh, that kind of happens. But I did like. For that brief moment, it looked like the two-minute drill offense was doing what it did the previous day. Go ahead. Offensively, it was from the offensive perspective, it was an appropriate bummer for for like for that that was it. Like that was the first team's last shot of the day. Ends with a fumble. You could have kind of um, you know saved some of the practice if they had ended up in the end zone. I like I like that the, they just ended it though. Because sometimes we've seen turnovers in that situation where, and then the coaches are like, "No, let's keep running this as if that didn't happen." No, no they were just like, "Nope." 
That's it. No, and that's you. You saw it a few times today with penalties. You know, Freddie asking the official, "Where was the penalty? Yeah. Who was it on?" And moving the offense back or moving the offense forward, yep. depending on who it was on. There were no gimmies in any way, shape, or form. I really appreciated Freddie and and the guys in the stripes might have not appreciated, and we we appreciate them taking the time to come to practice and officiate and everything else. But I did appreciate Freddie kind of getting into him a little bit when he when you know when there was a hold or two where. At one point, I heard him go over to the ref and say, did you see him grab his jersey? Did you see him grab it as the ball was coming to him? You didn't? Well, I did. Throw the flag. And then walked away. I mean, I appreciate that. And he got on him yesterday. Yeah. He said, I just watched five straight plays that involved penalty flags that weren't thrown. Yeah. (laughs) He's getting on. These guys are not there just to to look pretty. No. He wants them throwing flags. This is a clear point of emphasis, though, and it goes back to what Freddie talked about with the the fight and the decision to make guys run because we've seen like what happened the skirmish day was I, I would even barely put it on like a I put it like a three yeah. on practice scuffles, uh, but we we usually don't see everything coming to a halt and people running. That is more of the added emphasis on penalties, not practicing penalties because what you do that on the field, you're getting a flag and potentially getting tossed out of the game. Uh, so it's like any it's reflected on everything they've been doing emphasis on penalties, because I think I don't even know where the Browns ranked last year, but there was situations where the team had way too many penalties and it goes hand in hand with special teams. On every kick goes, yeah, special teams, return. especially where he, they've been stressing fundamentals because that's where he said the penalties come up. So it, it just seems like he looked at this team, looked what he saw last year and was like, this team gets way too many penalties. We need to make this an emphasis, and that goes with everything. I think above all, the one thing I really love about the Freddie Kitchens staff and and his tenure so far as a head coach is he does not cut corners anywhere. If if the offense doesn't get it right, he'll keep you out there until you get it right. If the defense doesn't get it right, same thing. Every practice, no matter what, no matter the agenda, no matter the schedule. That's why we haven't ended at noon at all. Exactly. And it it sticks to the point that Grill was just making, which is even through the fight and everything else. We're going to stay out here, and we're going to get this right, and we're going to make sure that no, no penalty goes unpunished and no extracurricular stuff goes unpunished as well. And it's, 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 a, it's the ideal total effort, I think, that you need to ensure that a team that has enough talent to win is going to be disciplined enough to win. Yeah, you can simultaneously acknowledge boys will be boys, heat of training camp moment, sure. these things happen, but also punished, which is basically what we saw today. It's like you're not going to – hold it over Farrell Brown for, you know, getting involved at, in terms of like where he's lined up the next day, but you're going to, the whole team's going to have to pay for it. And when the players got asked about it, they didn't seem to have an issue with it. Cause they understand like one person gets a penalty. Everyone gets punished anyways yeah. in a game. Yeah. We'll hear from Larry Ogunjobi later on in our soundbite segment on that quickly game balls uh, from day four of training camp. Shook, we'll start with you. God, this is probably a tough one. You know, who's had a really good camp and had another good camp today. David Njoku. I mean, he's catching everything that's coming his way. He looks really good. I know the area that he needs to improve in is blocking, and I haven't been able to really look closely enough at that to give you a, you know, a judgment on that so far, and it's also very early. But when it comes to catching passes, he's out there. The only time he didn't catch a pass that he probably should have was when he got held, which is the, the, when Freddie you know, got mad at the official for that, what we referenced earlier. That was the only time he didn't catch a ball that was in his radius. Um, I think he's only improving as a pass catcher, which is pretty scary when you consider that you've also got a guy like Demetrius Harris opposite him who can do just about as much offensively. So he had another good day, and I think his game ball really comes from having a good four days so far. Gribble? I'll go with Dontrell Hilliard, who had the biggest play of the day. Uh, first big long run on the, on the first play of full contact. I mean, I don't think it's 
uh, I'll, I'll quote, I saw J- Zach Jackson tweet this during camp. I don't think there's, it's not even like really a question if no. this guy's going to make the team anymore. I mean, yeah. this guy's a part of the, the offense and is in the plans for what they want to do. And I think that was clear the moment Freddie Kitchens took over as offensive coordinator last year. He found a way to work him into the game plan. Obviously, he didn't want him to throw a pick like he did against the Falcons, but he found he found a way to work him into the game plan. And they, they believe in this guy not just as a running back but as a kick returner too. Uh, so I, I just clearly with Kareem Hunt's suspension, Duke Johnson's been injured. Both have been injured right now in camp. I mean, uh, he's your number two running back on this team right now, and he'll be at minimum when the season starts number three, and that 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 gets you on the team. And and the name might not grab an eye or grab an ear, but his play should. I think fans will really like that going yeah. forward. And it continued to establish yourself as a great special teamer. Exactly, which is what they're looking for. Yep, no question. All right, he's Andrew Gribble. He's Nick Shook. I'm Jason Gibbs. That's what happened on day number four of training camp. I had a chance to sit down earlier today, right after practice, with the voice of the Browns, Jim Donovan, to get his thoughts on the first four days of camp. What has stood out to him on the offensive side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball, special teams, and what he's seen from our new head coach in Freddie Kitchens. Have a listen. Jim, four days in the books and a couple days in pads. Some good things from the offense, some good things from the defense. What have you seen so far? Yeah, I think really more good things from the defense than I've seen from the offense. But that's historic, I think, uh, Jason. I think that early on in camp, I think the defense has a tendency to always be ahead of the offense. But I think that's a good thing to see in this particular camp because there was so much talk about the offense and how they're going to be absolutely unstoppable. And we hope that that is the case once they start playing against other teams and certainly in September when they open up against Tennessee. But – Un, you know, overshadowed was the Browns' defense, which has been rebuilt in many ways. New coordinator, new system, key players, and I think it's good to see them playing so well so early. I think one of the most impressive things has been that front line and, and how they've played. What has stuck out to you when you watch them play? Yeah, they are, um, they're very good, and they're very cohesive right away. I mean, Sheldon Richardson looking good. I can already see the one-two punch of Olivier Vernon and Miles Garrett. Garrett looks very free. He's lining up everywhere. And the stability thing is Vernon on the other side, whichever side that's going to be. And I think it's going to fluctuate throughout the year. And I think that they're, they're having a lot of fun with Garrett. And I think he's having a lot of fun. And, and that's going to be important. But I think the front looks very good. I think Ogan Joby is just a really good player. But I think Sheldon Richardson's been a nice, nice add. And the other thing, Jason, is Sheldon Richardson walked into the same kind of situation last year. He went from Seattle to Minnesota. There were high expectations for the Vikings that they did not meet last year after going to the NFC Championship game the year before. Now he comes to Cleveland where there are high expectations coming into this season, and he might keep people's feet on the ground. On the defensive secondary front, Greedy Williams really making some plays and getting noticed here in the first four days. Absolutely. And I was kind of wondering the uh, night that he was drafted, which was the second night of the draft because they picked in the second round. And I remember John Dorsey um, and Freddie getting up there and saying, the thing you're going to be amazed at is how smooth he is. And I'm saying to myself, really, is that good for a cornerback to be smooth? But as I watched him, especially the day he had the two interceptions, um, he is very smooth. And he's deceiving because it doesn't look like he's going to get there. And suddenly he's not only there, but he's all over it. Now, the the red flag on him was, does he like to stick his nose sure. in there and tackle? And that's a wait and see right now. 
But I would think if they open up with multiple defensive backs, I think he's going to be on the field right away. And that's a nice threesome to have out there with Mitchell and with Ward and with Greedy Williams. On the offensive side of the football, uh, we when they've had their moments, it's been pretty amazing to watch here early on. There have been moments, and on Saturday when things were a little choppy and not going well, you could see it drew the ire of the young quarterback, and uh, and he wanted to finish strong, and he did. And boom, he went. He dialed up the guys that he's going to dial up. Uh, at key moments all season long. He went to Landry, and he went to Odell Beckham Jr., and three plays later, they're in the end zone and barking at a defense that was snarling at them all day. I don't see how anybody can defend the slant on Odell Beckham Jr., and Landry, for that matter, too. But I will say this. The other guys, Higgins is having a great camp, and there are those bubble guys. Derek Willie's having an outstanding camp. Ishmael Hyman having, you know, making plays. Callaway, you know, really sometimes gets lost in the shuffle. But a couple of years ago, we would come to training camp and they didn't have one run, <laughs> one wide receiver. And now they've got a dozen. On the offensive line, uh, it's been nice to see those guys come together a little bit. And it's been the rotation at right guard, obviously, with Cush getting some time and uh, Corbett today uh, in pads. Uh, it'll be – it continues to be an evolving thing. No one really sticking out, though, so far through four. No, and uh, I talked to J.C. Treader after today's practice, the Sunday practice, and he said nobody's won the position yet. Nobody's reached out and grabbed it. Message to Austin Corbett. It's got to be a little bit more. Going to have to do a little bit more to get it. You just can't be handed it uh, because you were drafted high in the second round by the team. Here's the thing. You got to remember, they moved a very talented guy. Zeitler is a really good right guard. So whoever goes in there, that's going to have to be more than just getting the job out of default. Kalis is in there. Cush is in there. It seems as though Freddie is giving everybody an opportunity to win it. The offensive line coach, James Campen, I think knows how to really teach it. And he'll recognize who's going to win it, I think. What have you been most impressed about from Freddie Kitchens through four days? That he promised that he wanted to make the team tougher from even the time when he was the running backs coach a year ago, that famous Hard Knocks episode. Um, and he's, he's true to his word. When things aren't going well, he, uh, you know, he gets it a little bit tougher. They're out on the field longer, and they stay out until they get accomplished what he wants them to get accomplished. So I think uh, if anyone thought Freddie's got the great one-liners and a magical disposition and personality, and I think people are going to love him, but I think with his team, when it's time to crack the whip, he does it. Finally, special teams. Saw a couple rough moments today from the kicking game uh, from about 45, 50 yards out. You know, what, uh, what have you seen from that so far? And, and clearly some, a position that needs to get a little bit better here as we go. Yeah, because it can kill you, and it did kill them a number of times last year. And definitely in the first three weeks of the season, Pittsburgh, New Orleans, you know, you know the game in Oakland and things like that. There were games later in the year where – they got kicked into trouble. Um, I don't think either guy, Greg Joseph, Austin Seibert, has definitely, not, neither one has really taken the job and grabbed it. I'm wondering if Seibert's putting a lot of pressure on himself because he's a fifth-round draft choice. And that raised a lot of eyebrows when the Browns drafted a kicker and in the fifth round. And, yeah, he had, a, he had good numbers at Oklahoma, but this is different here. And I think that we have to forecast that the Browns are going to be in big games tight games, 
pressure games, and those games typically come down to a kick, and you got to make them. So far, neither guy has made enough that you could definitely declare one of them the leader in the clubhouse. Thanks to Jim Donovan for the time. He'll join us again throughout the training camp period on the best podcast available. The one thing that stood out uh, from Jim at the very end when we talked kickers, thought it was a little disappointing that so far there's not a guy that you would say is the leader in the clubhouse based on how yesterday and today has gone. Would you guys agree with that or disagree with that? I would disagree a little bit. Um, based on the last two days, he's right. But I think based on the entire offseason, the lead is in Greg Joseph's hands. I mean, he had a pretty solid mini camp. Uh, they were mostly kicking indoors because of inclement weather. Um, and I think he entered this camp with a slight lead, but also having to overcome the expectation of a kicker who was drafted in the fifth round and how fans would want to see that guy on the field or, or on the team and expect him to make the roster. But so far, if it comes to performances from OTAs through minicamp through now, I think Greg Joseph is still in the lead, but he hasn't really done himself any favors in the last few days. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with Nick. I, I just, again, my amateur kicking opinion, I think the ball is just coming off his foot really well. And I think that you don't like the miss from 45. And that, that was my one concern with him from the previous year. It wasn't that he never had enough leg. It was that you never knew when, when a miss might be coming because he had the miss on the extra points. And it, it, it was never a distance thing with him. It was just it, you just wanted consistency uh, from him. I, you know, I, I'd almost rather have a kicker that's just automatic from 40 in and not have to worry about the long ones as long as I'm getting those automatic ones. That's all I care about. And I think it's just – it's tough. Kickers are tough. Like it's like the 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 analytics go against like highly investing in one like with draft capital, everything like that. And then you see teams get snake bit when they invest in one big time uh, from a salary standpoint. It's it's really of all the positions, it seems like there's so much luck involved with just getting a good kicker. And it's like a keeping a good closer in baseball. It's hard to find a closer that's good for like a stretch of years. It's hard to find a kicker in this league that's good for a consistently long time. It's just so. And when it goes it's, bad, and it, yeah. it goes bad but really it, quick. It's, it's such an important position, but it's like the Browns like hammered away at quarterback until they finally got it right. And yep. they've been hammering away at kicker for years now trying different ways, awesome. using draft picks, not using draft picks, tryout guys. I mean, it, you try everything, and really there is there is more of a method to the madness with quarterback. Odds are if you keep drafting one at number one, you're going to get one that works. A kicker, there's I don't know if there's any rhyme or reason to finding one that works. It's really strange, too, because I feel like, and maybe this is just revisionist history, but I feel like 10, 15 years ago there were more reliable kickers in the NFL than we have right now. Like I think about a – a David Akers, you know, a Phil Dawson, an Adam Vinatieri, those kinds of guys. And I think part of this issue we have with kickers now is by design. When they moved the PAT back from, you know, the the three-yard line to where it is now, it made that job a little bit more difficult because that's not an automatic kick anymore, and you have more pressure situations, especially depending on when in the game you're kicking that extra point, as well as making those field goals. And and I think the Browns have been especially unlucky at the kicker position in the last three or four years. Zane Gonzalez not working out it was kind of a, a blow to the whole thing because you know, he was the best kicker in college football when he came out. And until he started last year off so poorly, he had a decent shot to actually really hold it down. And, and then the, the mishaps you know, before that as well, the Billy Cundiffs and, and, and those types of, of players, you know, you've just kind of cycled through over and over and over again. And you hope that this camp produces that guy, but right now we don't know who that is. Yeah. All right, let's get to some of the sound from earlier today, day four of training camp in the books. 
after practice, obviously all the talk, the fracas between Farrell Brown and Chad Thomas and Larry Ogunjobi sounding off uh, when he was asked what's the effect on the team when one guy basically screws up and everybody else has to pay for it. Same thing like in high school and college, you know, you kind of, it's annoying, you don't, you don't want to do it, but at the end of the day, like, if it happened to you, it's the same result. You know what I'm saying? And as brothers, like sometimes your brother makes a mistake. And nobody makes a mistake on purpose, but sometimes like you get a penalty, the whole team pays for it. And that's just an example of that. So being able to just bounce back from it and have to finish practice and still focus and still have a job to do, I feel like it's good for the team. You mentioned it earlier, Gribble. The player is really not too bothered by it. Uh, it's day four. It's hot. I think the guys, you know, temper starting to run a little bit short here, and things bubbled over. The, the The disappointing thing, I think, and probably what Freddie would say, is when you blew the whistle for the second, third, and fourth time, and it didn't stop. That's when it became a problem. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, like when Larry says, you know, like that, you know, maybe next time it's going to be me, so I'm not going to hold it over yeah. a, another guy's head, and I think that that's. That's just the mentality you're going to get with the with the football team, and I think that, to me, how they responded, uh, that that's good for me. I like that these guys are competitive with with each other, and I it's good that the the there was no sniping at each other over that. I mean that that that's just good to see, and I, I'm I'm glad that after practice you're not seeing guys mad about the the message that that Freddie sent because I think they understand where he's coming from. Sometimes I wonder if, if it was a week and a half later if you would get a little sniping or not. I think it's so early that they're like, nah, you know, it is what it is. But I also think it's an example of the culture that Freddie has established because, you know, if you think about it as a teammate, you're like, man, I got to run these gassers just because you couldn't keep your cool and you had. Miles Garrett was super angry. He right. came over and hung out on the offensive side. Yeah, he's, he's like, man, I'm running because someone else screwed up. Exactly. And, and, but so it, from the player's perspective, and let me tell you, running gassers with pads and helmet on in the summer at is, the end of practice, it's not fun. It's a lot hotter and harder than you think. <laughs> So I can understand that perspective, but it, it was nice for them to come off the field and, and they all displayed a unified front, which is something that's been prevalent throughout this organization, especially in the last six to nine months, which is, you know, Freddie Kitchens and John Dorsey are always in lockstep when they're on the podium, when they're discussing topics. Even if they're not next to each other, they're usually on the same page. And it seems like these players are on the same page as Freddie when it comes to these issues. You know, he came out afterward and said, yeah, you know, you made mistakes, but he supported his players and said, hey, you know, even when they got into that scuffle, they were making each other better. And that's kind of what, you know, Larry said and what Olivier Vernon said, which is, hey, you know, we understand that this is part of camp and that fights happen, and if we got to run for it, you know, we deserve to run because we don't need penalties because they affect the whole team. That's the biggest point is it's not – they might have just gotten in the fight, but everybody's going to be affected by these mistakes. Yeah, the one concern I have is those joint practices in Indianapolis, joint practices with anybody. So at some point, someone gets upset that someone said something or did something, oh. and that's when things get I can a little project. interesting. I could project or predict who might end up in a, in a fight. Yeah, might be a guy. That I'm was trying to remember today. though. Was it in in 2016? Did we see a bunch uh, in a, Tampa? I don't think we saw many. It was so early in the morning. <laughs> it was it was not 105 <laughs> degrees Steamy by the time we got. It, it, we were done by like 11. We saw a few in Buffalo in 2015. Oh but yeah. Nothing. Not not was it was pretty tame in 2016. Might have yeah. been too many rookies on the team. This is also true. Yeah. Uh, Freddie Kitchens was asked, and this is one that we've talked about. We talked about it yesterday. What's ahead, the offense or the defense? Freddie with an interesting way that he views that. And he also circles back around to address Farrow and Chad Thomas. I don't know. We don't, we're not keeping score. We're trying to play the next play. Um, 
So you would have to tell me the one particular play and I'll tell you who won it. But <laughs> right. we're not like keeping score. We're just trying to get better. We're trying to make each other better. And Farrell Brown and, and uh, Chad, uh, we're making each other better. Now that we've got to learn on when we're not going to hurt the team. That's it in response to everything else. Freddie doesn't view the – he expects the offense to be at the same pace as the defense and the defense to be the same as special teams and special teams the same as the offense and vice versa. They expect them all to be in lock and step. I don't know if necessarily that's realistic or not, but it's a different way of looking at things and it might be a, a way that maybe we should be looking at it. This team is going to deal with greater expectations and more eyeballs than this franchise has seen in decades this year. Uh, and def- I mean, maybe you might go back to the Manziel days as being somewhat comparable, but I think it's going to exceed that. I think it already has exceeded that, and it will. And they need to be unified going into the season. The only way you do that is by getting through these days together, and sometimes you're going to fight. You know, brothers fight with each other when they have to share a bedroom. You know, that's just what happens. But at the end of the day, they're brothers, and and. That kind of unity needs to be forged during this camp as they also figure out how to play football effectively. So I think it's just part of it. Final one from Jimmy Haslam uh, was asked, is there a sense of relief when you see how the talent has been upgraded here? Yeah, it's fun. And uh, Dee and I were talking about this last night, Terry. Uh, Listen, we're excited for the organization, uh, the players, the coaches, the personnel, everybody. We're excited for ourselves, everybody that puts in all the time and hard work. But we're most excited. You all know the area as well or better than what we do. Most excited for the fans. I mean, because these are the greatest sports fans I've ever been around, and they deserve to have a really good football team. And I'm, I'm very, very happy for the Haslam family. They've, <laughs> I, we've seen a, they've gone through a lot since buying this football team. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they've, you know, you buy the football team and you think you're coming from the Steeler way and you're thinking, okay, well, this is how it works. And you quickly have that realization that it's not necessarily that easy. And they've been through some ups and downs. The losing has hurt them as much as it's hurt, you know, every Cleveland fan. It, it hurt us. You know, it hurt you from afar in L.A. watching yeah. every week. Um it's just nice to that some good things are happening right now, and and they're getting to see things. Yeah, we haven't we haven't done anything. Understand, we have six weeks till the season starts, but it's it's nice that there's positive, you know, things coming out of this building and this facility for them. I like that Jimmy mentioned the the uh, the meeting that was had here Wednesday morning. Made a point to mention that in the press conference here about recognizing some of the longest tenured employees, some of whom. Uh, have been here since the franchise came back in 1999, and I think it's a good thing to let media know. You know, they're looking back and appreciating what's happened in the past while also being super excited about the future. Uh, and I, I do think there's, understandably, from G, from GM to coach to owner, they're all on the same page when when it says this team hasn't done anything yet. But I don't get the sense that even they are nervous about the expectations because you'd so much rather have these expectations than what has been yeah. simmering before a lot of the other game. seasons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's 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 a big, a nice positive change, so it's not something to be nervous about. Look, I, I'd say it this simply. Anything in this realm is better than having your team lose on Monday Night Football because Will Hill returned to blocked a kick field goal for a touchdown. Okay, I mean that—that's where we we're at, and this oh, is where we are night. now. Okay, <laughs> that, that, that was, was a night. night. Yeah, that was a night. Yeah. Hopefully, we won't see those nights anymore because the upgrades and everything else. So, no matter the expectation, it's always better than to be in that position. All right, tomorrow, 
final day before a day off and a well-deserved day off for the for the football team. Day five, going to be in pads, going to be hot again. I think we're going to miss the rain. I think it looks like the forecast looks good up until we're finished, and then you know it's going to rain basically the entire time we're off until Wednesday when the sun comes back out. So uh, your expectations for the final day. What do we need to see from this football team tomorrow? Will there be an added emphasis on things, you think, tomorrow? Well, I think we heard Freddie Kitchens talk at the beginning of camp about facing adversity and creating adversity. This is one of those days every year that the coaches try to press their team, test them, see how they respond to being five days in a row. This is one of the rare times, I think it might be one of the only times in camp where you're going on a fifth day in a row. So I, I expect them to be pushed and prodded in a lot of ways tomorrow. I, I, I don't know if that is from a physical nature, sure. a mental nature. They're, they're going to be pushed in a lot of different ways because you want to get the most out of them before that day off. And how well do they respond? You know, Do they keep their composure, and do they perform at the level that we've seen? Because there have been some lulls, and I think the offense has built its some pretty positive momentum in the last – if we had to break it up by periods of practice, usually there's 12 periods or whatever, I would say probably 9 to 10 of the last – 16 periods they've built up positive momentum so can they keep that going will the defense respond and can you keep it all together as you head into your break or do you lose the mental edge a little bit because you know that break is coming do you kind of slack off a little bit do you take a player or two off you can see with a couple guys today take a player or two off do they do that more often or do they finish strong as they go into their first break at training camp we shall see uh tomorrow day five of training camp the final day before a day off in pads here in Berea, we will break it all down for you immediately afterwards. Uh, we're working on a player for tomorrow, so hopefully we'll have that for you, some player reaction in person. For Andrew Gribble, for Nick Shook, I'm Jason Gibbs. A reminder, you can get this podcast and download it wherever you get your podcast or at clevelandbrowns.com. This has been the best podcast available.